All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Monday, July 3rd. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Cheerio, I'm Pat. I'm in London. And Clayton, it is where you are. It is the middle of the night. That is how dedicated we are to doing this show, that you woke up from a sound sleep in the middle of the night to record because I am on assignment in Europe right now. Yes. And you're in. Well, do we want to say where you are? We don't. We don't want to say where you are. I already have. Obviously. I already have. So listen, if you see me on the streets of London, you know, if you're if you're riding one of the double decker red buses and you, you see wanna be you well, not wanna be you see B.O. boy Pat walking the streets of London, wave, say cheerio and then go about your day. You know, yeah, do, do not stop. No, I I treat our wannabe o boys, wannabe o girls, wannabe o people, people like the guards at Buckingham Palace. I'm not going mm-hmm. to snap at you if you take a picture in front of me, if you say hi, but I'm not. I'm also not going to acknowledge you. Okay. Yeah, and I think that that's the. I think the guards at Buckingham Palace really have it down as far as how celebrities should act with fans. It's just don't hit mm-hmm. them. You know, don't, don't pull an Alec Baldwin situation where, where you, you're slugging them, but you know, also don't, don't acknowledge them. I think that's the way to go. So Clayton, huge box office weekend, you know, it's 4th of July long weekend in the States. I don't acknowledge that cause I'm in London, but yeah, Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny finally opened this weekend. I saw it. In London, so I could I'll be able to later on give us a boots on the ground from London report on seeing a movie overseas. But yeah, it opened. And Clayton, why don't you give us a middle of the night New York time plow for this box office weekend of Friday, June thirtieth? All right. So number one is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny made sixty million dollars in its first three-day weekend number two spider-man across the spider-verse made 11.5 million dollars down 39 percent it lost 380 theaters it's at 339.8 million dollars in its fifth weekend number three elemental made 11.3 million dollars down 39 percent it lost 385 theaters it's at 88.7 million dollars in its third weekend number four no Hard Feelings made $7.5 million, down 50%. No Theater Change. It is at $29.3 million in its second weekend. Number five, Transformers Rise of the Beasts made $7 million, down 40%. It lost 671 theaters. It's at $136.1 million in its fourth weekend. And I'm going to go six here okay. because... We had a newbie at six. Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, made $5.2 million in its first weekend. Pretty much a failure. So that's the top six. Yeah, well, I am just going to quote a line from Anthony D is for disastrous D'Alessandro in his uh, Sunday right through about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. There is no question this is a disastrous result for the finale to a historically beloved franchise film. $60 million, Clayton. And, and again, we're going with the 
late Sunday night, you know, uh, reports, I could see when the finals come in on Monday, I could very well see Indiana Jones at Dial of Destiny ending up at 58 or 59. But this $60 million is a disaster. But here's the thing. It's a disaster based on them spending $300 million to make this movie. Mm-hmm. And the problem here to me is that if you're going to green light an Indiana Jones sequel in 2023, you need to figure out a way in which you're making that movie and maybe not 60. That's definitely lower than they hoped. But but what did they think this movie in 2023 was going to open to where 300 million was going to have been justified? You know, you're looking at a movie that needed to worldwide make at least six seven hundred million just to break even and how could they have expected that out of the fifth indiana jones movie he's he's 80 years old clayton what were they expecting yeah well they just expect that these aging fanboys will buy any slop that they put out i mean and and i think they did i think the aging fanboys bought the slop i mean i know i did yeah but these IPs feel to them like slam doinks. Right. And we're seeing that they're not. They're, you know, listen, if you would have told me there was a Star Wars movie that was going to bomb like solo, right. I mean, that's crazy. But it's like, that's what happens is that they think that they can stretch these IPs as far as they can go. And at some point, they're just going to be, they're going to snap and be useless. And that's what happened with Indiana Jones. They waited too long. The last one, everybody hated, right. right? I mean, the reason they thought that this thing could open big is because the last one opened big, right? even though it was much maligned. Right. And so I think that's the thing is that this is what they have to learn is that just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. Because, you know, this is Indiana Jones, which is, you know, it, it's a longstanding franchise, but it opened lower than a Transformers movie. That it, That is a franchise on the wane, mm-hmm. right? Transformers opened bigger than Flash and this. If you would have told me that at the beginning of this summer, I would have called you a name I can't say on Mike. Right, right. Because in that situation, then you're predicting that, wow, I guess Transformers way overperformed, which isn't what happened. Transformers also didn't open that high. It's just the Flash and Indiana mm-hmm. Jones opened so incredibly low. Indiana Jones barely beat the Flash. It barely beat mm-hmm. the Flash. And at the end of, you know, they're going to try to pad the stats here because you're going to get this July 4th total that's going to be you know what in the 80s or even that's going to be pathetic a pathetic it's so yeah yeah because if this thing would have opened at 80 or 85 in its three day that's a disappointment for a movie that costs this much right right it's it's you know you compare it to movies that we've considered to go back here to um uh wow uh, it, much lower than i expected i thought wild wild west did better than it did wild wild west in july of 1999 opened to 
27 million dollars okay that's a that's a gigantic bomb i was i i was yeah i think i might be thinking lone ranger i feel like lone ranger is one of those movies that opened to 90 or 100 million and was considered a disaster around the same weekend but yet this indiana jones movie it opened to about 60 percent of what the fourth movie opened to in 2008 and again Mm -hmm. what i say is how what else did they expect for a fifth movie in the franchise opening to 60% of the previous one obviously is bad. It shows a decline in interest, but it also is about what you should expect at this point. I mean, I, my thing is this movie is about time travel. And Mm -hmm. I think that, the clear answer here is if you went back in time, there was never a reason to have made this movie because there was no circumstance in which an Indiana Jones five in 2023 could have been successful because it had to be budgeted for a lot because you're paying Spielberg and George Lucas just to sit on the couch, you know, a hundred million of this move of this goes to Spielberg and Lucas to do nothing to maybe send an email. Maybe they may have sent one email that they said his hat's crooked. You should think about making his hat not crooked in that shot. And that's it. And that's a hundred million. They didn't say anything about his pants. Right. They didn't say anything about his pants. So they weren't paying that much attention. Although they probably all wear pants that loose because they're old men now. But uh, just, just uh, something real quick. The Lone Ranger opened at 29.2. Uh, and that was a July 2nd. Opening. Wow. So that also was not a big. Opening. Yeah. Yeah. So those movies were, were even bigger bombs than I than I remember in my head. I'm, I, I'm in I'm I my memory is putting some inflation on on uh, those July 4th openers. So, yeah, it's it's a low number. I think what happened with this movie is I do think that the oldsters ate the slop. I mean, I ate the slop. I, I was out there mm-hmm. opening weekend. I ate the slop. And. I think the oldsters went out. I think that young people did not care about this movie in any way. I think Indiana Jones mm-hmm. is not a character that carried on through the decades. You know, it's 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 more akin to a John Wayne character than it is to even something like James Bond that, you know, does mm-hmm. as much as we call it our, our dad's uh, movies, James Bond James Bond does reboot himself and younger people find a way to care about that. They do not care about Indiana Jones. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that have they already picked a new Bond? They probably have. It's probably another English dude. Probably. It's got to be. I mean, the way Hollywood relies on these older stars, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they considered Harrison Ford until this movie opened. You know, the, these yeah. these studios – are just this was the summer this is the summer of the old ip totally flatlining and these hollywood studios they've been using these old ip as their binkies as their blankies when when things are going tough they hug indiana jones they hug transformers they hug batman 89 and their their binkies disintegrated you know you get old enough and that 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 blankie that you have to uh, go to bed with every night, eventually it just tears, 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 and you're just going to bed holding a little string. And I think that is what Indiana Jones is right now. It is a blankie 
that they finally hugged to death. Now, you saw this film. I saw this film. Okay. And I was going to try and see this film, mm-hmm. but then I couldn't do it to myself. Okay. Because it's very hard to go see a bomb mm-hmm. while it's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to stomach a movie that's not only going to do bad financially, but also from the reviews feels like a slog to sit through. Okay. And starts with our hero. And I'm not even an Indiana Jones fan, to be honest with you. Wow. But at their lowest, which I understand sometimes you want to start movies with people at low, uh, you know, at, at, at the low end of their life. But this is a summer blockbuster. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I think that is the thing that's bumping me here. And I said in the last episode, you know, maybe 60 year old, 60 plus year olds would want to go see this movie because their twilight is coming and they want to see how their hero, Indiana Jones, is dealing with it. And from what I've heard, I don't know. You can tell me. He ain't dealing with it too well. Here's the thing. I get starting your hero at a problem point, maybe even mm-hmm. a lower, um, obviously a lower than average point. But they are well, starting look at Ghostbusters him. Th- too. They're starting him at Ghostbusters. They're starting him Ghostbusters, at their lowest. Ghostbusters two. They hadn't been ghostbusting for a while, right? Right. And then and then they went back to ghost busting. So that was like a low point, but it wasn't like, you know, uh Vecman's son had died. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The the Indiana starts too low in this movie. And yeah. I I do think that and again, he is 80 years old. And mm-hmm. there is just a problem of this is a summer movie that is too depressing. And these Indiana Jones movies started as a version of, you know, 40 serial shorts that George Lucas and Spielberg liked as kids. And those, I, I don't think those shorts ever got to seeing the hero be an old man dealing with divorce and having like a, a, a row of pills that are labeled by day. Like, I, I don't think those shorts ever get to that point because they just stopped making them. And that is the problem with this movie and trying to market this movie is you're marketing, hey, the guy who used to be an invincible, fun adventurer, now you get to see him with his day-labeled row of pills. Fourth of July weekend. I think... I don't think that appeals to anyone. I don't think that appeals to the oldsters who are near death, and it definitely doesn't appeal to you know, the gentle minions crew that that's not going to get the gentle minions crew out to the theater. James Mangold is a director that I like. Mm -hmm. He's done some work that I like, but the problem here is that he said, I don't want to do this unless I can make it my way. And when it comes to an IP like this, it's like you, you have to, play with what the essence of the character is and what the stories are in order for the actual fans to go. It's like if you had somebody direct a G.I. Joe movie and you're like, I'm not going to direct this movie unless they can all have PTSD. Right, right. And it's a G.I. Joe movie. It's about plastic action figures. All right. 
that's Indiana Jones is about a swashbuckling hero. And it doesn't matter if he's 80. He should still be enjoying his life. He should still have, you know, issues and things. But where's that impishness that he used to have? Where's that crooked smile? Where's, oh, you know, that's the thing that I think was missing in this movie. Right. And that's why it's not interesting to a general audience. But also, like you said, I don't think an 18-year-old wants to see a 80 year old man headline their movie. Yeah. And especially an 80 year old man who's in a really bad way. And that is mm-hmm. how this movie starts, but it also comes through in the marketing, you know, like yeah. you could have made and then marketed a movie where the problem was, man, Indiana Jones is old and he's having too much fun. He's, he's mm-hmm. just, you know, where we're a grandchild is saying, grandpa you you can't go adventuring every weekend and yeah but but there's none of that you know this is a movie that indiana jones ain't smiling he's taking his false teeth out and that is not what Mm -hmm. people want to see that is not what there was there was just not a version of indiana jones that they made in this movie that could have been marketed that well they just had nothing to work with yeah. It's uh it's uh Indiana Jones and the bottle of denture cream. Yeah. 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 And he's and he's having trouble finding the the next movie does feel like it, instead of him going through a cave looking for the Ark of the Covenant, it's him stumbling in the hallway looking for the toilet. Mm-hmm. You know how far is Indiana Jones from the end of the Irishman? Oh, where, where he's mm-hmm. at the old folks home yeah. and he's like, keep the door open. Could you keep the door open? Right. I got scared. Is that Indiana? Oh, this is, I'm scared. Does this movie end like that? Cause it possibly could. It, I think if this movie had gone on 10 minutes longer that you could have got that shot. It was making a very okay. logical, uh, journey towards him being in a, is sitting in a chair by himself asking, uh, an attendant to keep the door open cause he gets scared. You know, and I don't, again, I just don't think, I think it's an Indiana Jones that could play at the Angelica, it could play at the local art house, but it's not the Indiana Jones that could have opened to $100 million. I think another problem with this series is what the great Scott Mendelson calls the Tomb Raider trap, which mm-hmm. is, it's a sequel to a giant hit movie that people didn't like. And you touched on it, that Indiana Jones 4 um which was what was that one called again the uh crystal skull kingdom of the crystal skull was a giant hit but people didn't like it and part of and you know anthony d delisandro touches on this in his article that that movie benefited from being the sequel to 89's indiana jones and the last crusade which is beloved you know some will argue the best movie in the series and so Crystal yeah. Skull got to be the sequel to that movie, whereas Dial of Destiny is the sequel to Crystal Skull. And even though it's 15 years later, people just had a bad taste in their mouth from that. You know, they they yeah. felt like they were done with Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is coming way too late. Way too late. And- He's too old. If we haven't mentioned already, Indiana Jones is 80 years old. That's too old. And. I mean, just to give people perspective, when the last one came out, he was 66 years old. Mm-hmm. So that is 
that is even a little bit too old, I guess, other than if you're Tom Cruise. But Harrison Ford has always seemed curmudgeonly and old. Right. At least in our lifetime. Yeah. He's yeah. always seemed like a real pill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the surliest pot smoker there's ever been. Usually people who pot smoke pot are in a better mood. Right. It seems like it only makes him worse and worse. So the thing, too, is here we got to keep in mind, you know, we mentioned Transformers Rise of the Beast opening higher than uh, at 61, higher than any of these other movies. Again, this is the same argument that I've made before. The failure of other movies doesn't make a movie a success. So we don't want to act like Transformers Rise of the Beast is in any way a success. It's only at 136 domestic and it's dropping. It's not it's it's dropping theaters. It's not going to make a ton of money. But, you know, it's a, it's going to outgross some of these bigger it's gonna out, tentpole movies. It's going to outgross Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I mean, Indiana Jones will not get to $130 million domestic. I, I, I do not think this movie is going to have more than a two times multiplier. I mean, we'll see. Obviously, oh. a movie like this that appeals to an older audience will in theory, not open as big, but possibly have bigger legs. But I do not think the word of mouth, having seen this movie, is going to give this particularly good legs. And I think in two weeks, Indy runs into the buzzsaw that is Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1, and then it's game over. That, that is <laughs> yeah. that is the end of the Indiana Jones run is on July 14th. Tom Cruise yeah. just rides a motorcycle straight over Indy's face, and that's the end of it. Well, because you're going to have – and I still don't believe that all the Maverick watchers, all the Maverick audience are going to port over to Mission no, Impossible. No. But you are going to get a good number of the older audience who had seen that film and liked it to go see a Mission Impossible movie that they may have not seen one since the first or mm-hmm. they jumped off on the second one. So you are going to see this sort of audience, you know, go to a Mission Impossible movie and they're going to leave Indiana Jones in the dust. Yes. Where he belongs. I mean, he is dust dust at this point. I mean, if you're talking about actual where the character would be now Mm -hmm. in in 2023, dust on dust. I mean, it's like there's nothing left of Indiana Jones. So I do think that this is an IP that we can bury. Yes. This is a dead IP. And now they're going to try and do young Indiana Jones on a streamer. We know this. We know Disney plus there's no, there's nothing too low for them to go here. But Harrison Ford as this character is done. Here's my, so I saw this film last night with a, with a, with a friend, with a local who lives in London and coming out of it, we were talking about where does the franchise go from here? And here's my prediction. My prediction on what they wanted to do is they wanted to do a Phoebe Waller bridge spinoff TV show on Disney plus. That is my prediction. Having seen the film of what their plans were, I think, Coming out of the the disaster of this opening weekend, I think all those plans are up in the air. But to me, that was the clear plan was to take her Helena Shaw character, spin her off, have Indiana Jones 
this is how I, again, how I think they would have done it had Indiana Jones then be a, because Harrison Ford is full in on just being a streaming actor at this point. He's got three mm-hmm. different streaming shows. So he's coming in, being a cameo on the phone saying, oh, when a boulder's coming at you, you should duck to the right, not to the left. All right, bye. Have a good adventure. Like I, to me, that was the plan was that you'd have the Phoebe Waller bridge character, 10 episode Disney plus streamo show. But again, I don't think that's on the table now with this movie opening at $60 million. It can't be. There's no interest. I mean, there was no interest for a Shia LaBeouf spinoff when he was he debuted in crystal skull like i i think people don't understand that nobody nobody wants indiana jones anymore number one too old but they certain but but they certainly don't want a spin-off of indiana jones that doesn't have indiana jones in the center so it's the, the the that's the thing it's the same thing that we talk about all the time is that it's, they can't let go of these IPs. Like we will see another Lone Ranger movie in our lifetime, yes. and that is sick. Yes, yes. We'll see another Tarzan movie in our yes. lifetime. We'll see another that Robin Hood. Sick. We'll see another Robin. Hood. We will see another. We will see multiple Robin Hoods. Yeah. We will see multiple Robin Hoods. That is a sickness. Yeah. That is a not being able to bury the past. Yeah. Right. And Indiana Jones is a, a newer newer uh, uh, character than all of those. Right. But he's based on those sort of serialized characters, like you said previously. But that's the thing. If they're not letting Tarzan die, if they're not letting Robin Hood die, then Indy will not die, but it needs to. And Indy is Harrison Ford. And when he dies, it's got to end. So there is a, a long sequence in this film that is de-aged. They do a, they, you know, it's the it's the cold open. It starts the movie, a 20-minute mm-hmm. sequence that is young Indiana Jones, but not young Indiana Jones is played by, you know, a young actor, Harrison Ford de-aged. Mm-hmm. And I had two thoughts during this. One, maybe they should have just done the whole movie this way. You know, Mm -hmm. because they were able to get away with it for 20 minutes. So at that point, do it for another hour and 10 minutes and have a 90 minute movie with a D.H. Harrison Ford. And we don't Mm -hmm. have to have the depressing sight of Indy stumbling to find the toilet in the middle of the night. You know, you don't have to have that. But then my other thought was. Will they try again? And try again with the de-age Indiana Jones. Do they think that the only problem was that Harrison Ford is old and not just that people don't care about this IP? Who knows? I mean, the the brain trust, and I say that, you know, I, I mean, that's just the word I'm going to use. I'm not going to say there's actual brains involved over at Disney. Mm-hmm. They just They just don't know what they're doing right now. Yeah. They just have no clue they're, what's going they're on. Flailing. They, they're flailing. Yeah. I mean, their animation is failing. Pixar is failing. Their big IPs are failing. Star Wars can't make its way back to theaters. Mm-hmm. I mean, Star Wars is not a theatrical property anymore. That is insane. The more you think about it, it's one of those things that I will just wake up in the middle of the night and think about, and I'm flummoxed by. Right. That you have... Somebody in charge over there who cannot mount a successful film 
that has to do with Star Wars. Right. Right. Well, I mean, we don't get into, you know, obviously we talk about David Zaslav and we've talked about executives, mm-hmm. but we haven't talked about Kathleen Kennedy much on the show, but she is the head of Lucasfilms within Disney. So she's yeah. the person who steered the Star Wars sequels, including Solo, all the Star Wars TV shows, and now this Indiana Jones movie. Yep. And right into the dirt. I think, and obviously she was, she'd been a producing partner with George Lucas. She, she'd been sort of handpicked as the one to, to steer all this IP. But at some point, the axe has got to swing. And when you, this is a movie, Indiana Jones, that's going to lose probably upwards of several hundred million dollars when all mm-hmm. said and done. And is that enough for Disney to say this person should not be running Star Wars and running Indiana Jones. I mean, Indiana Jones is, like you said, effectively dead. I don't yeah. know what you could do with that. If if anything, it's a streamo show, young Indiana Jones, but they've basically reduced it to its willow. You know, it's yes. you can make a yes. streaming show that no one watches and that you purge from the service two months later. Yeah. It'll be a tax write down at this point yeah. is the best case scenario for any further Indiana Jones properties. Yeah. So at what point, because star Wars is possibly salvageable. Indiana Jones is done, but yeah, at, you, you can't salvage it with having the same person making these decisions anymore. No, and there, you know, Kathleen Kennedy has always gotten a lot of hate online, and we are not no, no. diving into that sort of cesspool, but the buzz coming out of this is that even internally now, they're saying, we just got to do something here, because it, it just looks bad to have somebody in charge who is mishandling things this poorly, even if it's not all them. No, no. it's. Their name is on it, right? At some point, their name is on it, and you have to take that golden parachute. Listen, I mean, if Kathy Kennedy gets let go by Disney, she'll never have to work again. She will, but she'll never have to. Right, right. Right? No. So it's not like we're taking food out of her mouth. No. She could eat as much as she wants. Gobble, gobble. Forever. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At some point you just have to start paying someone to sit on a couch, you know, and that's what Disney did with George Lucas. They're paying him to sit on a couch. And I think at some point you're paying Kathleen Kennedy, just sit on a couch and not have anything to do with these Lucasfilms properties. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Indiana Jones, I, I do think the legs on this are not going to be anything special because I don't think there's anything coming out of this movie that is all that buzzworthy. Um, obviously had baby of the week, Phoebe Waller bridge in there. And I thought she was fantastic and I would love to see her have a spinoff, but I don't think the box office, unfortunately is going to justify a spinoff movie with her. Character. And now, I, I, now your view is askew and we've, we've, we've established Do not Kevin that. Smith me. And you're even more askew because you saw this movie in jolly old England where she has a fan base. Yeah. I mean, she, uh, she walks the streets here. I mean, she's not okay. walking around. She's being, you know, uh, chauffeured around in a limo, I assume, which is how it should be. But she does live here. Well, she comes from a rich family. But so which is great. Yeah. Do you, do you think 
that, well, how did the audience react to her at your theater, which I think is skewed. Your view is askew, so we cannot really take it. But like, uh, it's a hometown crowd. Yes. How was their reaction to that character? There was some hooting and hollering. Okay. Which I, 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 I listen. Of the frat boy persuasion? Of, of English frat boys, yes. Okay. Yes. They were, they were, th- uh, they were throwing their chips around, which I think is, is a sign of, of, I don't know if it's arousal or just, you know, acknowledgement, but, but that, I think that's a local thing as they were throwing their chips. Okay. And no, and those are fries. That's what Americans would know those as fries. Yes. That's what you would call them for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the, the crowd was, was into her. I think that the slurping of the tea was especially, uh, uh, rowdy when she, when she would first appear on screen. So the, the local crowd was happy to see her. And again, I saw her in IMAX. So she was, you know, 80 feet tall, whatever, whatever their IMAX. You're so skewed. I I don't even know why I'm asking you these questions because they're, they're giving no information. I might have to actually sit through this thing with a red blooded American crowd and see what the reaction to all this was and the reaction to her, because She's I I mean, we are of the mind that the detraction that she would have on this box office is made up. It's an Internet phenomenon. I don't think she's well known enough for people to reject this movie because of her. Yes, that's a segment of the Internet that's not going to see this movie anyway, or they're going to torrent it when it comes out. Right. Right. On on all the torrent sites. So but I don't she's not a value add in any shape or form. I don't think one person other than you went to see this movie because of her. I mean, I was in a full screening in London IMAX, and I would assume that is mostly her at the screening. I would. But also your money doesn't count towards the 60. Because this isn't. Right. Your money doesn't matter. My money didn't matter this weekend. Their money doesn't matter. Their shillings or whatever, their hay pennies don't matter when it comes to true box office because, you know, a big hit over in England makes what, like uh, 30 quid? I don't know. Right, right, right. Here, when America, you know, Americans who go and they work for a living and they, you know, bring their lunch pails to work. The Joe lunch pails, mm-hmm. the 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 Jody lunch lunch pails, their money matters. Mm-hmm. So I want to sit amongst them. Will and you not do it? Sip tea. I think I have to because you're giving too much of a skewed view. Your view is askew. Yeah. So we can't have that be the last word of how Phoebe Waller Bridge is being greeted in this film and how an eighty year old. Uh, 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 Indiana Jones is being greeted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, now here's a question: If Spielberg would have directed this film, I feel like this film would have done better. Do you agree? I do think so. I think they underestimated how big or how tied in, even for the fans, Spielberg is to this franchise. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just Harrison Ford. It's it's and also I, I think we as just a, a people have been hard on George Lucas 
you know, and no, that's don't stick up for George Lucas. Uh, He's not. Uh, but in no. terms of this, idea, it's Spielberg's the one here. No, Spielberg's uh, the one here that needs to be behind the lens. But but I think even just in terms of perception, we've underestimated how much people look at this as a Spielberg, Lucas, Harrison Ford uh, collaboration. And even again, if true Lu- fans, if Lucas is because he was always minimally involved in these or you know he was always mm-hmm. a guy who seemed to be just like given given his his rants on the set and they would either take or leave what he's saying but just yeah. the marketing being able to show them on that set laughing behind the camera together you know spielberg showing hey george look through the lens look at what he's doing and then harrison ford comes over and slaps him on the back and just having that image in the marketing materials I think was more important for the fan base than Disney thought. They wanted to see Spielberg, Lucas, and Ford on set together. And seeing, you know, James Mangold uh, just sit in a chair and him and Harrison Ford not even acknowledge each other. I don't think that- Glowering. Yeah. Yeah. Glowering and thinking about mortality. The thing with Spielberg is that- He did it his way. Mangold did it his way. He got to do Indiana Jones as a, a doddering, dying old man. So you got to do that. And that's the thing is like, you gotta, if your director is like, you know, that, that, that tentpole summer movie, I want to make it incredibly sad. You know that you can't let them. That's the thing with Maverick. Maverick is not sad. Mm-hmm. Maverick has moments of poignancy. Maverick has moments of remembering youth fondly Mm -hmm. but it by no means depresses you Mm -hmm. yes and that's a lesson to be learned from maverick everybody we're gonna see maverick is one of those high water marks for resuscitating an ip that is going to be attempted to be duplicated but may never be duplicated Mm -hmm. because it was done so expertly. And obviously, it didn't have as much competition last year when it came to how many uh, you know, weeks it could have the, the PLFs. I don't think that's a case here that matters. It's not like Indiana Jones is going to lose out on business because it doesn't have PLFs going forward. Mm-hmm. People just don't want to see this film. Mm-hmm. But I do think that th- you know, whoever's going to try and do these sort of uh requels whatever you want to call them these uh what do they call them legacy sequels they have to dissect this movie mm-hmm. maverick mm-hmm. and really see what it did well and see what it avoided mm-hmm. and they didn't do that with this film they didn't look to it and say oh well how can we make this fun right it was all about what james mangold wanted he wanted to play in this the the sandbox and he pissed in the sandbox. Right. And you can't allow these no no name directors. Like he is not a no name. That was rude. No, of course. He not. has a name, but but general audiences don't know him. I think if you said who's James Mangold uh, to uh, to my mom, she'd be like, I don't know. And I'd be like, you know, Ford V Ferrari. She'd be like, oh yeah, my you know my husband liked that movie. Your father liked that movie. Right, right. He sounds like and he, I could he say sounds Logan. like he's he owns a casino. You know, yes, he yes. sounds Have like, been to, yeah, who's James Mangold? Yeah. Oh, I stayed at Mangold in in Vegas 10 years yeah. ago. And that's the thing is like, unless it's Tarantino, unless it's Scorsese, unless it's Spielberg, unless it's a name, name, name that wants to put their stamp on something. 
like a Tarantino Star Wars, a Star Trek movie, I don't think it would have worked. But if that would have come out, there's interest in that person's take on this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's that much interest in a James Mangold take on something. Right, right, right. Because she's just not a marquee director and not many people are that that's no that's not disrespecting him not many people are right right well i think what happened here is he has the he had the uh evidence of hey i did sad broken down wolverine in logan logan yeah and that worked and everyone loved it and i think it got a screenplay nomination and and, and all that but it doesn't work with Indiana Jones. He he basically tried to replicate that with Indiana Jones and say, oh, we'll just Logan him. He'll just be sad and old and broken down. But that is a misreading of what people wanted out of this IP. Wolverine always had the anger and the sadness and, and all that mixed in with him. And it was also at the time when everything superhero was just, uh, people were going to see it because it was a superhero movie. and they made that mistake of trying to Logan Indiana Jones and it just made people upset. I just want to throw this out there to get back on uh, the Phoebe Waller bridge uh, factor. I don't think we this, need to get on the, to the, the top, the top foreign market for this movie was the UK $8.9 million. I think she gets most of the credit for that. It over indexed in the UK in her hometown, in London. So, you know, maybe you make a low-budget, you know, Mr. Bean-type spinoff. Not the same tone, but you're making a Indiana Jones spinoff starring her where you budget it so it could be a blockbuster in the UK and it'll be profitable. That might be the way to go. Why doesn't she just do a one-woman show where she talks about filming it? That's the play i mean i'd I'd fly back here for that i would love to see the one woman show about how she played helena shaw now before we move off of this uh the reason why logan i think had success other than the reasons you said is that old man logan also was already a character Mm. that had had a comic book so known quantity to the fanboys right so that also was something that was helpful. Right. It is It is something when you look back, because they did a, a young Indiana Jones TV series, you know, 30 oh, plus yeah, years ago. Crappy. But they didn't ever consider back then, instead of young Indiana Jones, what if we cast Ed Asner in 1990 as old Indiana Jones? You know, they knew better then. They knew if we're going to do... another version of Indiana Jones, you go younger, you don't go older, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it's deep down. They knew that old Indiana Jones was always going to be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think they knew this thing was, I mean, again, here's the other thing we got to talk about. Another stinker that has gotten the Tom Cruise thumbs up. Tom Cruise, the worst movie critic in America. Mm. Given this, a thumbs up, man. This is not bode well for his film because I don't trust his opinion on his own film. But again, he's being bribed. We talked about this. He's being bribed with 
with PLS. <laughs> He's being Tom Cruise is being bribed with big screens to give these endorsements. That has to be the case. That Disney now, promised him will release a certain number of indie screens. I mean, obviously, Dead Reckoning is going to get everything on July 14th, but I, I, I think this had to be bribery by screen. And and he honestly, at this point, the studio should let him admit it. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want Tom Cruise's credibility to be shot. So admit that he got paid off with screens and we'll all just acknowledge that and move on. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, that's we when we write the book on the history of of the of BO mm-hmm. uh, COVID and post COVID, that will be definitely touched upon. Now, let's quickly talk about the other newbie, Ruby Gilbert Gilman, mm-hmm. Teenage Kraken. This movie tanked, opened lower than Pause of Fury wow. last summer. And just to remind people, Pause of Fury was a movie that I think was completed in 2014 or something crazy. Mm. Maybe not that long ago, but it definitely was sitting on a shelf. The thing with this movie is it was hastily thrown onto the schedule. Minimal promotion. I mean, like I said, I saw one poster at a bus stop that most people shouldn't stop at. And, you know, this thing cost $70 million, so it's not like it was a cheapie. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of thing, and listen, movies should play in theaters. This thing is going to do well on streaming probably because it was on a theater marquee, so that's good. But $5.3 million for a $70 million budgeted film, mm-hmm. that's very, very bad. Yes, yes. And I, I did predict it would go almost, I mean, I predicted probably what, 4 million or so, but this was a movie that even after uh, everyone knowing it was going to bomb, the projections were still, it'll do nine to 12 million. It's an animated big screen movie getting a, Oh no, I think this was seven. I think the, wasn't the, they were saying, no, there was tracking around 9 million. Listen, it opened in 3,400 theaters and it's an animated film from universal. Even the low expectations for this were higher than what this came in at. This is a full on, nobody wanted this. I mean, I think, you know, just on a superficial level, the first problem is the title is a very un- Ruby Gilman teenage Kraken. So you're starting with Ruby Gilman that your, your title is the name of a character that no one's ever heard. You know, yeah, that's terrible. You know, even why, the first, why? the first Indiana Jones movie was, it's been retitled since, as Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. But the first Indiana Jones movie was just called Raiders of the Lost Ark because at that point, Indiana Jones was not a character. So, you know, wait until Ruby Gilman has a hit before you put her name in the title. Call this, I mean, a teenage Kraken on its own isn't that much more appealing because I don't think there's high awareness of Krakens. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think even just Teenage Kraken is a, a better title than Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken because I mean you famously didn't know if a Kraken was real or, or not real yes I still am not completely sold that is real you say it is but no I said it's not real you said it's not okay Kra- Krakens are not real okay well now I'm not sold that it's not real now I I could be swayed that it's real so you don't trust me is really the issue here and not as an underwater expert no I don't um no, I know what's real and fake but I are don't, unicorns real, Pat? 
What do you say? They're not real. Okay. Well, I have to look into it. I have to ask a zoologist then. Um, yeah. I, I think that it's a bad title because it's a name, the name of a character that people know they don't know. You know, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't know who Ruby Gilman is, but they know they don't know who Ruby Gilman is. And I think that's, that's almost like a dare to go see, yeah. you know, listen, famously, famously, what is the original title of the Bradley Cooper movie burnt? Adam Jones, Adam Jones. And they knew because there were posters, there's posters out there. You could Google it. There's posters for burnt under the original title, Adam Jones, but they realized, you know what? Adam Jones is not IP. Let's change it to burnt. Now, obviously that didn't quite save the box office of that film, but I do think it probably helped. I think, I think Adam Jones would have done even worse if it was titled that than Burnt did. Well, the problem too was the poster said Bradley Cooper is Adam Jones. You can't have the actor's name be more interesting than yeah. the name of the character. Yeah, yeah, we've always now, said that with that movie he, that wasn't ever titled that. Yeah, here's a series that ended up being two films and maybe three films in the future. Who knows? That did this correctly is The Boy. Remember the boy, mm. which was a horror movie about a doll, and then the sequel was called Brahms: The Boy Two. Yes, they used the name in the second, in the second one because yep. you already knew who Brahms was. Yes, yes, yes. The f- listen, the first Rambo movie was not called Rambo; it was called First Blood, and then the sequel mm-hmm. was Rambo: First Blood Part Two, okay. and then after that, it was just Rambo Three, even though there was never a Rambo One. But which is to say. If you don't have an IP character name, maybe don't have the name of the first movie in your hopeful series be the name of the character that no one's ever heard of before. Does the failure of this Teenage Kraken movie, do you think it does anything to harm the momentum for a movie that I'm still high on in August which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Do you think Teenage Kraken bombing harms the teenage IP at all? No. I mean, just because, I mean, I would say if you were going to open up another teenage sort of, that wasn't an already known IP like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think we would have an issue there. If they were going to, like I said, a unicorn, if it was going to be Teenage Unicorn was opening Mm -hmm. up, then I'd be worried for Teenage Unicorn. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at this point, they really are focusing, I guess, in that movie on them being teenagers, which is interesting because they rarely actually do that. I'm high on it. But I do think that I don't even think when I say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles anymore of the words I'm saying. Mm. I just say it because it's just a known quantity to me at this point. Right, 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 right. Okay. I mean, uh, I think then Seth Rogen, who's producing that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem film could breathe a little sigh of relief because he probably saw Teenage Crack and bombing and thought, you know, he turns to his producing partners. Does this screw us? Guys, does this screw us? Takes a, a big puff. Tell me the truth. Does this screw us? But the B.O. boys are saying that Teenage Kraken's opening weekend does not screw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Yeah. Now you wanted to talk about a future movie. Well, well, I do here. think one thing we need to, I think the only other movie we need to touch on 
from this past weekend is we got the second weekend of No Hard Feelings, the Jennifer Lawrence yeah, comedy. Yeah, 50% drop. Yeah. Not great. Yeah, it, which is – the thing is 50% is the norm – for a second weekend, but this movie needed to have, you know, it was never going to have, there was something about Mary run, but it did need to have a strong series of holds and mm-hmm. leg out in a big way. And I think dropping 50% in the second weekend shows that is probably not happening with this movie. It's probably not going to be even a mini sensation. The beach scene as much as it should, I don't think is driving great legs for this movie. Yeah. Because you have Joyride coming in July. Mm -hmm. So that's creeping up. We don't know how well that's going to do. Hopefully that does well. But yeah, we're going to have to see smaller, smaller drops here for No Hard Feelings if it's going to do anything, really. But the idea that this could get to 60 or 70 looks like a fantasy at this point. Yeah, a four times multiplier, which is what it would have to do to have gotten to 60 domestic, seems, I mean, almost impossible. It's a $29 million after two weekends a 50% drop is tough. This needed to have a really strong hold and do like a 30 something or even a 40% drop to have any chance of having a great run. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I think next weekend there's not a giant movie, but there is a horror movie. There's a sinister sequel. And I think that's a film that is actually going to overlap a lot with the no hard feelings audience. Cause it's uh, our young women, young women love horror. Yeah. Yeah. So, so everybody loves horror, but especially young women will go see horror in droves. And that's kind of, and it's their date movies because they, people love to be scared with someone that they love or maybe like ish or, or hopeful that they might have intercourse with. So that's the sort of audience that no hard feelings was courting. So yeah, we're going to see a major, major dip. Yeah. Yeah, and it and actually Joyride comes out this Friday, July 7th in in the oh, US. Oh wow, okay. So yeah. no hard fe- and I I do think it's direct competition. I mean, looking at it now, it's crazy to say this, but I think Joyride could actually end up being a bigger movie than No Hard Feelings. I I I'm uh, feeling, I agree. I'm feeling buzz on it and no hard feelings could be walking into a buzzsaw this weekend between a new horror movie and a new, you know, sex comedy for youngsters. No hard feelings could really drop next weekend. And we'll talk about that on the weekend and, preview, but it yeah, needed to make yeah. its bones this weekend. It was going up against old man Indy. And mm-hmm. that is where J law needed to dine out. Was that movie needed like a 30% drop? Yeah. And it didn't happen. Now, let's talk Barbie tracking. Okay. Because you want to get into we, it? Well, you wanted to get into it, and I think we have a little bit of time. Not a lot of time, obviously, because this this is not opening for another, what, few weeks. Yeah, three more weeks, yeah. But this movie dropped on tracking, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, if, if this holds up, 
box office wise, there's a bit of a sigh of relief here. Well, with I, this tracking dropping, I mean, you sigh. You say sigh of relief. I feel like it is just the momentum continues for this movie. You know, the 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 hope was always really high on this. You know, the buzz was there, and the tracking is coming in. You know, the studio was saying sixty million, so they're giving their conservative studio estimate. Uh, that's what Warner mm-hmm. Brothers is saying. But deadlines sank based on the tracking, based on the pre-sales, which apparently are mm-hmm. higher than, you know, the comp Little Mermaid. Um, the based on the pre-sales, it's starting to feel like eighty million dollars and a hundred million opening is on the table. Now, I think the thing we all have to do here is not let this become the barometer for whether this what we think of this movie because i would say a month ago me and you had a talk at uh, bohq and my uh-huh. thought was always if this hits 60 million dollars opening that's a win obviously 70 or 80 start to feel like wow that's huge and anything higher than that is nuts you know like 90 yeah. is nuts but i do yeah. think the warner brothers projection of 60 still feels like if it hits 60, that's a win for this movie. And obviously yes. something, anything, you know, 40 or lower, that's a big, big problem. Disaster. And 50 is like, okay, that's what we thought. So I, I think going into this, we still have to, we can't set the bar at like when this doesn't do 90 or 100, we're supposed to be sitting here talking yes. about what a disaster this is. That, you know, Obviously, there's a lot of enthusiasm for it now, but we should still remain level-headed going into the next few weeks. I think the thing I'm, I'm urging is, calm. I'm I'm, call, I'm making a call for calm on the streets. That is, I think that's very important for you to do that in these times. Mm-hmm. So, the thing with Barbie that I think is benefiting it is that so many of these temple movies have been terrible. Yeah. And I think everybody's looking to Barbie as, you know what? It's not going to be the same sort of movie that's been released this summer. Right, right. It's a IP that everybody knows, but it's never been fully released. They've never been had a movie that has been released like this. Yeah. This isn't Barbie this five. Is, this is an old Barbie. Yes. You know, this isn't, this isn't Helen Mirren as Barbie. Exactly. This isn't a reboot of the Barbie that you knew and loved in the nineties. Yes. This isn't right. This isn't uh, a continuation of anything. This is a new take on a property. Everybody knows. And it's akin to, you know, Mario, how Mario had had, you know, the TV cartoon and had like the live action movie that was not actually Mario. So you can't even really count that. And that was so long ago, but this is something that to people is looking actually fresh and new compared to an 80 year old indie, a flash movie that's coming out way past its sell by date. Right. With a actor that couldn't even do promotion. Uh, you know, so many movies that had underperformed, uh, uh, you know, a, a long in the tooth 
Transformers film, which right. is not a success, not a success, not a, not a success. success. We've got to drill that into people. Not a success. Even though it's going to be bigger so, than The Flash and Indiana Jones, which is wild. That's which still were both disasters. Yeah. Which were both disasters. So the thing that's benefiting Barbie is also actually damaging the box office, which is there's so many bad movies coming into it. Without, without the Spider-Man cartoon, we would be at loose ends right now. Yes. Yes. When it comes to the box yes. office. So we have to look to Tom Cruise as our savior and Barbie as our savior. And sneakily, Oppenheimer also hit tracking. And it's looking like it's not going to be big for a Nolan movie, but it could do solid business that same weekend as Barbie. The headlines are Barbenheimer or whatever they're saying. Yep. I mean, this is creating buzz for the box office, which is positive. So. Yes. You know, I think that Barbie hitting this tracking where it's hitting is making us all sort of feel a little bit better about this summer. Yeah. So I'll ask you, because I mean, we're going to be talking so much Barbie and Oppenheimer in the next month, but Mm -hmm. you've been Barbie skeptical. We'll put it, we'll put it that way. And the tracking coming in. Do you feel any different about it in terms of whether it's your enthusiasm for seeing it or your enthusiasm for the prospects of it? You know, the numbers are starting to come in. Is your mindset changing? The pre-sales are making me feel better about it. I, I, I don't count birds until they're in my hand. Okay. So I... I, the fact that this is conservatively tracking at 60 is making me feel confident about this movie being a success because if Warner Brothers is going that low, and I know obviously, I mean, they had the flash and they went low on the flash, but this feels different than the flash. Yeah. Well, it, there's just, there's, there's good feelings around yes. this film. And I think that that is something that's been missing yes. this whole summer, other than the Spider-Man cartoon, which actually came more out of nowhere. I feel like there's been a interest online that is transferring to ticket buying, or mm-hmm. or there's a lot of buzz online, and separate from that, there's interest in actual ticket buying because I still do think that more people tweet about this movie then actually we'll see this movie. But there's enough people that are either not tweeting or tweeting and also going to see this movie. And I mentioned this when we had the great Scott Mendelson on. I do think a difference is a lot of the online chatter is specifically about excitement to see it, which is different than Snakes on the Plane and other movies of that ilk where the chatter, Morbius, the chatter was about how ridiculous this looked, how crazy, how this and that. But the chatter wasn't, I am excited to sit in a seat in a movie theater having bought it. And that is the chatter you're seeing with Barbie. So I do think Mm -hmm. the online chatter here is realer than online chatter for other, you know, uh, mistaken hits. And and yeah, like you said, I think just the, the thing here is we've gone through a couple of months now where every time somewhat long range tracking or, you know, weeks out tracking comes in, it has consistently come in as a disappointment. You know, that's what happened Mm -hmm. for 
basically every June opener other than Spider-Verse. The tracking was always disappointing two, three weeks out. And this is the first time we're getting three, four week out tracking that is in a positive direction. So it's it's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. And we, we will be covering Barbie Oppenheimer in a big time way on the BO Boys. We've got a, a, a lot planned for, for that release. Oh, yeah. I mean, b- box office is going to be the story yes. of that weekend. And we... We're here for box office. That's all we talk about. I mean, we're here every week, twice a week, talking about box office. Put it out there right now. There's going to be outlets that usually don't cover box office that are going to be scrambling to figure out how to cover this Barbie Oppenheimer weekend. And the BO boys are here to give quotes. We're here to give quotes. So if you're an outlet. Available for interviews. Yes. Yes. You know, our time is limited. So make good use of our time when you have us. But we are available to give some quotes for your article because you don't know what you're writing about. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, there's people who cover this, Anthony D, Delisandro, he'll know what to write, but all these outlets, you know, when when Sports Illustrated feels like they need to do their oh, we need an article on the opening weekend of Barbie Oppenheimer and uh, and you know, Maxim and and all these outlets uh you know, uh, USA Today and and so on and so forth. Uh, Screw Magazine, reach out to the BO boys and we could give you the context you need for your Barbie Oppenheimer box office article. I think Screw is only online now, right? It's an online only magazine. I mean, most most media is, you know. Yeah. Glamour, Screw, they're all just online now. So when, when Glamour or Screw have to do their box office article for Barbie Oppenheimer, just, just call give us a call. We'll, we'll tell you it's right. And, and, and probably reach out to me first only because, you know, Pat, uh, Pat is summering. So he may be on vacation uh, on an endless vacation. I'm a working man, so I don't take a vacation. So I'll be here. I'll be in the time zones. I'll be able to talk. Yes. yes. Um, Pat will probably be galvancing around Europe doing God knows what. Yeah. I, I'll so, text Clayton my quote and then Clayton could, tell you mm-hmm. that on the phone yeah i'll be on my way to work but that's okay yeah i think i think that's like how a real american yep yep all right well i mean i think i think we've done it clayton i think i think we, we really covered this weekend so of course email us we love getting your emails at the bo boys podcast at gmail.com um boots on the ground reporting especially if you're in the states because right now i am overseas so we need that extra boots on the ground reporting at theaters in the united states so send us that at the bo boys podcast at gmail.com follow us on social media at the bo boys pod and guys we officially are on tiktok wannabe o intern christopher has started up the tiktok account we got vertical videos going we've moved to vertical so we've made the pivot to vertical on TikTok. Vertical integration. Yep. On our TikTok, on our Twitter. So subscribe at the BO Boy at the BO Boys Pod across TikTok and Twitter. See those vertical videos in action. We of course are YouTubers. We're on YouTube. So smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. And what else there, Clayton, should they do? On YouTube? Ring the bell. Ring that bell. Ring that bell. Ring that bell and the BO Boys 
will come call in for dinner. So ring that bell on YouTube, follow us there, and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And uh, tell your friends to listen to the BO Boys and tell your local media outlets, you know, if your cousin is an editor of Screw Magazine and you know they got that Barbie Oppenheimer article coming, tell them to reach out to the BO Boys for a quote. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I think we've done it. I think we have done it, Pat. I don't think there's anything left to say. No. Except for, until next time. Will. Will. you. At. The. Box. Office. Nailed it. it.